Zito from seventh to first in the final event. You are a champion. And Oleksiak has done it! The girl from the six has got six Olympic medals. The substitute for Canada just about gets it through. It's a glory gold for Canada. Kathy Lifting goes up to Graham, takes the lead, looks a winner, draws away from Graham and Mary. This is a famous victory, a magnificent performance. It is off the podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for an interview. We're done with the Women's World Cup, a great tournament that was had. And a couple of months away now from our next multi-sport event that we're going to be covering in the Pan Am Games. It's appropriate today that we're going to talk today to a Pan Am champion as well as a world champion in the sport of shooting, Alison Weiss, of course, also an Olympian, Tokyo Olympian to be precise, from the US of A, competes in the 10 meter air rifle section of the sport. And this is a fantastic chat with Ali, learning about her journey through the sport, also educating, there's a big word used in this interview, is education. Uh, not only me, but you, the dear listener, about the differences in the sport of shooting. What are the differences between rifle, pistol, and shotgun? I don't know. And we're about to find out in this interview because Ali is our first air rifle athlete we've ever interviewed on the show. We've had air pistol, we've had shotgun athletes on the show, but never an air rifle. So Ali talks a little bit to us about that, how she picked up the sport, very unique way of that, her experiences going through the ranks, making her first national team in 2017 after not making the Olympics in 2016, going on to World Championships, Olympics, Pan Ams, as I mentioned, and more recently, uh, just under a year ago to be precise, became the first air rifle world champion for the US in 43 years when she won the world championship in Cairo last year. So she talks a little bit about that and the way she was able to overcome a bit of a, a yippee section in the final where she was shooting off for gold and how one moment triggered, pun intended, her into going on to win the gold medal. So this is a great chat with Ali. You're going to get a lot out of it. So sit back, relax, and listen to our chat with American Olympic shooter, Alison Weiss. Always get excited when we get to talk about the sport of shooting here on Off the Podium. And in the lead up to this interview, I realize we've had obviously several shooters on the show. We've talked to shooters in skeet, in trap. We've talked to shooters in air pistol, but never air rifle. And we're going to break that duck today because we are speaking to a Tokyo Olympian competed in the 10 meter air rifle in Tokyo. And also recently has become a world champion in the 10 meter air rifle in the sport of shooting and i'm so pleasure pleased to welcome to the show to learn a little bit more about the sport her career and everything else in between from the great now i'm wearing the jersey today i had to do it from the great nation of the united states of america allison wise ali first of all welcome to off the podium i got through that introduction eventually so uh, I, i'm glad i can uh, get to the point where i introduce you to the show that's the main part <laughs> Yeah, you're good. I, I'm doing well. I'm really excited to be on this uh, podcast and also just be able to share things about my sport, myself, the things I love and just sort of educate everyone. Well, I want to be educated. I want to be one of those people right now to learn yeah. about this because this is the thing that fascinates me about shooting. And I'm sure a lot of people who 
maybe we'll just tune in during the Olympics and go, oh, you use guns and you shoot at a target. That's pretty much it. But it's not. There's obviously a lot more to it. There's rifle, there's pistol, there's shotgun. There's all these different categories and types of guns and everything along those lines, which always fascinates me. But let's start mm-hmm. at the beginning. How, how do you get involved in the sport of competitive shooting? Um, a lot of various ways. Everybody's a little bit different here in the U.S., So the way I got involved was I grew up in Montana and it's a very large hunting state with, you know, big game hunting elk, a lot of big uh, white tailed deer, mule deer, things like that. But my family did not hunt. Actually, we didn't own any guns, but there was a flyer at my uh, elementary middle school. I think I was nine years old, roughly. Um, and so that was when everything used to be on paper. So I grabbed a little flyer, brought it home and it was a gun safety and education program. And so I was kind of a little tomboy was kind of wanted to get involved in everything. And I was like, this sounds really cool. So I told my parents about it, gave my parents the flyer, said I wanted to do it. So basically they're the ones that have the credit of getting me involved because they signed me up. Um, turned out to be more than just the gun safety and education program. It was actually competitive BB gun target shooting. Wow. And that's where I learned the basis and everything about the sport. That How do your parents react to that? If you come from a family that doesn't even own a gun to go like, hey, mom and dad, I'd like to give this a go. I mean, do they sort of question that straight away or are they just like wanting to fulfill whatever you want to do as a nine-year-old? Like, sure, give it a go. Yeah, they were very supportive, actually. So they kind of looked at it from the standpoint of we don't have any. They weren't against it. They just weren't big hunters. So they were like, said, we don't have any. But if you go to somebody's house, we want you to know how to act around them. And so at the time, they thought it was just the gun safety and education. So just in case I went over to a friend's house and somebody didn't have them put away like they were supposed to or locked up like they were supposed to have them, I wouldn't think it's a toy or I wouldn't you know, do anything unsafe with them. So they were very supportive. And then, of course, when we walked down and learned it was a sport as well, and it was a sport in colleges, you know, here in the U.S., it was a, it was a sport in the Olympics. They were even more supportive of it because I was falling in love with it. So they just said, OK, this is the path we're going down. What do we need to do? <laughs> Fantastic. Were you active in many other sports at that point? Were you bringing flyers home all the time going, hey, mom and dad, I want to try this sport as well? Um, a little bit. Not a lot of the running sports. Not a big fan of running. <laughs> so um, I definitely, through middle school, I played you know middle school basketball and volleyball. And then through our high school, the four years of high school here in the U.S., I played volleyball predominantly. So it was made my way on the freshman team, junior varsity team to the varsity team at our my high school. Um, and then shooting as well. So I was kind of doing both of those simultaneously. What? I know... Most states in the U.S. will kind of have their sport, you know, obviously depending on where you are in the country, you know, certain sports are more popular than others. What's Montana's sport? What is the sport that Montana is best known for? Um, I'm not entirely sure, honestly. Probably just hunting. <laughs> Actually, I know it's, really, it's not an Olympic sport, but definitely well known for hunting. I think we have some skiing up there. Um, I know a few actually Paralympic skiers live and train up there in the area that I'm from. And we also have actually a handful of shooting athletes from the state of Montana on the U.S. national team. Great. There you go. I always love being educated about these uh, sort of uh, things with that. Did you always have an idea of an an Olympics in your future? Not necessarily when you got into shooting, but maybe as, as a young child, were you watching the Olympics actively 
aware of it or did this become something that came to you as you progressed in shooting? I would say a combination. I definitely knew of the Olympics, had watched the Olympics. I was obsessed with volleyball all of my life and like beach volleyball. Um, went to a lot of volleyball camps, watched beach volleyball at the Summer Olympics. That was sort of my favorite thing. But honestly, my skills weren't really there in volleyball. I was good enough to play in high school, but not necessarily beyond that. So it was always an aspiration of mine, but not something I ever thought was possible. And then when I found shooting and the shooting sports and I had such a large passion for it, I realized that this could maybe be possible here. And, you know, I had a mentor when I very first started at that very first BB gun night that told me that I had a lot of natural talent. And if I was willing to put in the work, I could go really far with it. So that kind of planted the seed for going to the Olympics for the shooting sports. Is natural talent in shooting just the simple case of you're really good at hitting a target? Or is it down to the fact that you are able to do the little things like controlling the breathing, the concentration, all those things that are involved in a sport like shooting? I think it's probably more that you're able to do the little things. And even if it's as simple as, you know, a nine-year-old, you're able to listen, you're able to receive feedback. And when somebody's telling you to relax or be more calm or, you know, follow through longer when you're, you know, hold the trigger back a little bit longer when you're done and you're actually doing that. And you're also, of course, seeing the results on the other end of the range on the target being good results. I think it's probably some of that. And when you start with that BB gun, what's the choice aspect when it comes to choosing rifle, pistol, shotgun? You know, is it kind of just what's available to you at that age? Because I can't imagine they're going to go, hey, Ali, here's a shotgun at nine years old. But like, I mean, is it a simple case of you learn your way through each of them and eventually choose one over the other? I think you kind of just start in it. So since a BB gun is, yes, just a BB gun, but it's more similar to a rifle, um, that's sort of what our club had. So that's what I progressed up through. Our club did not have skeet or trap shooting. So that wasn't even an option for me. I mean, shoot, sometimes now I get along with a lot of the trap athletes on the team and we'll joke around and I'll, or trap and skeet athletes, both of them, and joke around with them saying like, man, I didn't even know shotgun was an option. Maybe I should have gone that route, <laughs> even though I've been incredibly successful with rifle. Um, but yeah, so I think it was just, just, how it happened you know that's what I started with and then I did see pistol a little bit later on but I already had so much passion for rifle that that was the route I was going to keep going and because I can imagine it's a big change if you'd all of a sudden right now in your career go hey I want to try the pistol right like it's sort of not like a you know a simple change from one sport to the other there's a there's a big difference between each of the guns Absolutely. And it's kind of crazy to think because it's all shooting sports, right? Just various types of it. But to go from rifle to pistol, rifle, you're very precise. You're holding with these open sights, like open peep sights. So you're doing the best you can and trying to make essentially everything perfect. And you don't want any movement. Where pistol, you're holding it with one hand. There's a lot going on. The sights look completely different. And when you shooter you kind of have to accept the movement and then you just execute cleanly within that and as a rifle shooter it's like i just wanted to stop moving i can i get it to stop moving why is i don't i can't take the shot if it's not if it's still moving so crazy different and then same thing with shotguns is you know we have a lot of trigger control and slowly squeeze the trigger 
but theirs is a lot of reaction time. So they're a little bit more jumpy and aggressive on the trigger than we are. So trying to go over and shoot that, I'm like, I can't follow the bird through the air. I can't <laughs> convince myself to shoot quick enough. So it's pretty wild. Can I, I this might be a, a dumb question or a really smart question. I don't know. But as somebody who maybe isn't that knowledgeable on the differences between types of guns, can you explain to me the difference easily between a rifle and a shotgun? Okay, yeah, I think the easiest way to explain it is a rifle, especially competitive, on the competitive side of things, Olympic style, is only ever shooting one round at a time. Right. So if anybody knows anything about shotgun, a shotgun can shoot one round at a time, and it's called a slug, but otherwise a shotgun shoots a shell with a whole bunch of little BBs in it, and they spread out to hit your target. Where rifle is just one single bullet or one single pellet, and um, it goes through whether... You know, a bullet with a 22 rifle has the gunpowder and everything, so it strikes it, ignites, and then pushes the bullet out. And a right air rifle, which is what I compete in predominantly, is uh, compressed air that comes up through the gun and pushes the pellet out. There you go. Look at that. Uh, we, we, the word of the day is education, Ellie, and I feel like yes. I am definitely being educated with all of that. The progression then, so once you start obviously going through the ranks, you mentioned high school, you mentioned college obviously the collegiate system in the u.s obviously has a variety of different sports where you can kind of progress with that what is the collegiate system like for shooting in the u.s and just like most sports is it incredibly competitive to reach those high ncaa levels that obviously you did reach yes absolutely um it's a lot of young athletes dreams and of course just like the olympics are for a lot of athletes in all sports but not everyone will necessarily reach it there's not a college rifle team at every single university here in the U.S. So it's much smaller than your mainstream sports in the U.S., like American football, soccer, well, um, and then volleyball, softball. Those are at a lot of universities where rifle is a little bit more um, niche, I guess. I think we maybe have 25 universities total, which sound like a lot, but there's really only about – eight to 12 incredibly competitive ones. So everyone in the U.S. that competes at a young level are trying to go to the same eight to 12 universities in the U.S. Wow. And that's not to include, you know, so a lot of the universities have foreign athletes come in yeah. and shoot as well. So Incredible. And um, then when it comes to that level of your going to colleges and applying, are, are you having to wait to get recruited? Do you send applications? Is it a mixture of both? How does that work? definitely a mixture of both um so it kind of depends on how good you are honestly if you're the top like top junior athlete in the u.s you're obviously going to get recruited by a lot of those top schools because they want the top athletes if you're kind of in the middle of the pack you're probably doing a mixture of both some coaches are talking to you and recruiting you you're probably sending some emails um saying you're interested in these universities and then Sometimes in the bottom of the pack, you have to basically, you know, fight for yourself and be your own best advocate and say, hey, I, I can be good. I will be good. I want to go to your university. And do you obviously, I can imagine, have that preference though, right? You're wanting to be like the, the best one. And do you kind of send them a couple of extra emails each day versus some of those other ones? Yeah, I think for sure. If you really want to go there, you're probably sending them a lot of emails. And of course, college coaches are busy, so they don't always get back to you. So you might be annoying them, but hey, if it gets you on a team that you want to be on, do it. It pays to be persistent, right? What's the worst they can do? Yeah. Say no? 
mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, there, there's obviously a level of stalking. We don't want to get into that. But, like, I mean, it's still, like, it's a case of, it's. I, I call it, but some people call it stalking, some call it persistence. I mean, it just, it, there's a line there, I think, Ali, when it, when, it, when it comes down to that. Did you, uh, once you got through that collegiate system, was there a moment where you all of a sudden thought when you were getting the results that, hey, the Olympics, this this is my goal or this could be a realistic, no pun intended, target for me? Right. That was a good one. We're going to get a few shooting jokes in there, right? I'm sure you never hear yeah, them. I, <laughs> um, I think it was always in my mind that I wanted to do it. I didn't really know when, how, if it will still for sure happen, but I knew I wanted to do it. So I had actually never made a U.S., you know, our U.S. national team for the shooting team um, throughout any of my college, which is pretty unusual. A lot of kids actually start traveling with like the junior team internationally and making the junior team or making a development team because we have these other teams but I never made any of them um I just was always right on the edge or right right below what the cutoff was um so of course sometimes I was disheartening I was like well maybe I maybe I won't ever be able to make it uh but I knew I wanted it so I kept working hard and then got older in college uh to my junior senior year I was like I'll figure it out and thankfully, after the summer after my senior year, so I graduated from college, and that's when I made the national team for the first time. And I've been on it since. So that was in the summer of 2017. Wow. I've been on it since, just working hard and trying to stay on it, making World Cup teams and going Olympic teams. So. And here we are all these years later, mm-hmm. Olympian, world champion, all the fun stuff that we'll obviously get to. We should yeah. mention University of Memphis. Go Tigers, right? Uh, have I got that yes. correctly? Okay. Just wanted so, to... Uh, well, I actually... Almost correct. I almost did go correct. there as well. Okay. Yeah. Correct me, Ali. So, Come on. Fix, fix, fix up my research team. I'll fire them after this interview. It's all good. <laughs> Fine. I did go to both. Um, I actually graduated with my undergraduate bachelor's degree from the University of Mississippi or wow. Ole Miss. And that's who I competed for at the NCAA level. And then I got my master's degree from the University of Memphis, and I was actually their coach. And that's where I was when I made the Olympic team. So they right. hold a special place in my heart for sure. Okay, so I like that. That kind of you can you can go there for, for both. So I mean, that's a fairly decent change from Montana then to Miss, yeah. Mississippi and Memphis, right? Like that's what from right. the 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 north basically to the south sure. essentially, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah. And is that much? I was going to say, yeah, was, there, there you go, talk about that because like, I mean, I, I've traveled all around and I, I understand kind of you are in different regions of the country and it is a big significant shift when you are in the north to the south. So how did you yeah. find that change going from those two regions? It was exciting for me. I love, love, love traveling. So being able to just see how somebody, like people live, like they live completely differently. And um, some of the stuff I fell in love with was I felt like people were so much nicer, just, you know, friendlier, naturally on the street, saying hello, inviting you into their homes, even if they don't really know you. <laughs> um, some of it was even just at restaurants. I felt like the customer service was more more sweet. You know, if they messed something up, they were like, I'm so sorry, we'll fix it and give you free dessert. Where in the north, if they messed it up, they were just like, mm. <laughs> it's actually your fault. <laughs> you, you, you know what that you blame the Canadians, right? They they think they're nice, yeah, yeah. but they're they're yeah, that yeah, far. I'm sure they're... <laughs> yeah, they're secretly seeping down there. I found that though in the south. Every time I've been in the south, though, too, it's just such a a pleasant place to be when it comes to that atmosphere and and the food. Like I obviously know you sort of outside yeah. of uh, your athletics career is your is your nutritional career, which I mean, I yes. mean, does that make it hard when you're in such a place where the food is 
absolutely incredible, but probably doesn't really fit into your uh, your diet. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. There's days I'm like, dang, like I really could go for a whole bunch of fried chicken or a whole <laughs> bunch of this. Um, it is delicious food. I definitely don't withhold it from myself because I love it, but I you have to kind of bring yourself back, reel it in a little bit every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. No, no sweet tea, really, uh, unless it's been a good day, I guess, or you... <laughs> I don't know. You've just won a world championship. I can probably have a glass of sweet yeah, tea. Yeah. Probably, probably. I really want it. I can probably. Yeah, you it. probably allow yourself that. So you made the US team in 2017. World championships in 2018, where you finished uh, 66th, I believe. What was that sort of experience like in such a short period of time, making your first team to then competing in your first world championships? Yeah, uh, crazy, <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> Pretty much batshit crazy. <laughs> there, <laughs> there it is. There's the language. I like it. I, t- I, I say to all our guests beforehand, as an Australian, you can swear, and they get excited. So I'm, I'm liking that. There we go. I'll keep it. I'll keep it tally. Um, it was a wild experience. I had a whole lot to learn. I had never traveled internationally before, so I had a whole lot to learn in a really short amount of time. And then also just learning how to travel and compete against some of the best in the world everywhere we went. And still learning how to compete myself, I, you know, still trying to shoot better every time I was shooting, still trying to learn the sport even more and kind of perfect my craft, which we always are. I still am. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot. I kind of felt like I was thrown under, you know, thrown into the fire, I guess, so to say. Uh, but it was absolutely worth it. Uh, I was drinking from the water hose (laughs) (laughs) or the fire hose, however you want to say it. And, uh, I think it taught me a lot, humbled me really quickly. Um, especially having a very poor performance and poor outcome at that world championships in 2018. It was made me realize that this is not what I want. I don't want to come to these matches and just be mediocre, right. Or, or be less than mediocre. I want to come to these matches and win these matches. So whatever I need to do, I'll do it. It's kind of like you need, almost a light bulb moment sometimes, I guess, when you put yourself out in those situations, particularly if you've not really competed against international competition before to test where you're at and where you want to be, Mm -hmm. essentially. Right. Exactly that. When it comes down to from that point on, so once you make a World Championships, do you then automatically enter the World Cup circuit? Is it more of a case of what you can compete in you can pick and choose your events sort of what's that level like after you've gone to world championships where you think to yourself what next right so in our country we still have to um basically shoot and be selected so you still have to be selected to go to these world cups even if you went to that first world championship um we still have selection matches for the next set of world cups or the next whole circuit um Right now, we're kind of using this rolling average system where it takes your top best scores and kind of ranks everybody with that average of your top best scores. I think it's like five of them. And then that's who gets selected to go to the you know World Cups, uh, this year's World Championships. That's what selected last year's World Championships. So uh, it means a lot more matches, a lot more shooting, but you have to make the teams that you want to go to these matches for. But then once you do that, So say for this year, I was able to sit out a World Cup because I had some things I needed to do on the Army side. And um, 
that allowed me the opportunity to say decline this World Cup, but yes to the other World Cups. So you get a little bit of freedom once you make those teams. And I also guess you get a little bit of freedom once you win a World Championship as well, right? Like, right, yeah. <laughs> you just like, um, gold medal. Yeah. I sit this one out there for a little bit from that one sort of stuff. But after yeah. the World Championships, through those World Cups, and we get to 2020 where ultimately you do make the Olympic team. Now, I was watching a couple of interviews with you before the Olympics were cancelled, and I believe there's one online where you had just made the team. I think this was about February, March in actual 2020. Remember what those times were like? And you were obviously talking how excited you were and the opportunity and everything along those lines. Before we obviously discuss what happened from that point on, what was that moment like when you knew you were going to the Olympics and do you classify yourself as an Olympian then or was it maybe until a year and a bit later you're at Tokyo where you're like well, I'm an Olympian I think it was probably I classified it once I was actually in Tokyo um just because it was such a unique Olympics in that there was a big question of if the Olympics were going to be fully canceled or just postponed or if because they were postponed so much are we going to reselect the team which was obviously a huge scare because I was like, I already worked my butt off, made this team, and now I might have to remake this team. What happens if I don't make it yeah. <laughs> the next one? That's awkward. So um, I definitely classified myself as an Olympian as soon as we were in Tokyo, probably walking through the opening ceremonies. Uh, and then the emotions when I first made it, it was just gratitude, I think, that I had worked so hard, had been through some hardships, considered giving up a few times because of those hardships but kept going and I finally saw it all pay off and I saw what I was capable of. And obviously it's kept the fire lit to keep going even after. What can you discuss some of those hardships sort of in that period? Like sort of what were some of those moments that you sort of had to overcome to eventually get to that point where you qualified for the Olympics? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest one was actually in 2016 for the Olympic trials. Then uh, the way our trials were set up at the time, it was a two part trial system and you shot the first part, and if you were in the top 10, you were invited to the second part of the trials. And then that's how they were selecting the Olympic team. I was young, naive, not ever really even expecting to make the 2016 Olympic team. Um, I was wanting to shoot the trials, but I wasn't thinking, you know, I'll make this 2016 Olympic team. And I ma actually made the top 10. And at the time I was in college, so I made the top 10, which meant I was in, technically invited to the second round of Olympic trials. What I didn't know and what my college coaches didn't know necessarily and what the national coach at the time, I guess, maybe didn't realize was that in order to shoot that second round of trials, I needed what was called a minimum qualifying score, which you can only get at an international competition. Right. And at the time, I had never traveled internationally, so I had no way of being able to get that. There was a singular opportunity. I can honestly say I don't even know if I would have been able to go had I known about the opportunity to get the MQS, but I know it was like the last chance opportunity like last chance for people to get the mqs score for anyone that didn't have it i was never informed about it or didn't know and that very well could have been because i couldn't you know i might have been too far down on the list there just wasn't enough spots so i wasn't able to go but because of that i was not even to fill the spot that i had earned at the 2016 olympic trials part two so wow. i didn't even get the chance to compete and try to make the team that being said i honestly don't think i would have made it but 
to have that opportunity kind of stripped from me for something I didn't know was extremely difficult. It made me wonder if I, if I want to go through with this for another four years, you know, what if something similar happened? How can I be a better advocate for myself to make sure that something like this doesn't happen? Felt like it was really political, but it might not have been. It might have just been the rules. I was just very naive at the time. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot mentally to try to figure out what I wanted to do moving forward. It's always that fascinating angle of Olympic athletes that a lot of people don't realize is that it is a four-year cycle, of course, and when disappointment happens in that cycle, it is that level of questioning because it's a lot mm-hmm. to go through it's you, you know yeah, you're not, <laughs> yeah, well exactly I mean you're not playing a sport where it's like oh I didn't win a championship this year let's just regroup and we can try again next year I mean it's a four-year cycle and particularly I can imagine to in a sport like shooting where going back to say those sports you mentioned in the collegiate system which get all the attention you, you know shooting's obviously not going to be treated like a swimming or you know volleyball or some of these sports where they're getting a lot more attention a lot more funding so yeah obviously a a lot to overcome which leads me into the mental health aspect because i always love learning about athletes and their mental health at at, you know what they're doing for training shooting obviously very important because you you need to be be very mental aware so are you i can imagine while you're training you're out there target shooting you've got that mental health aspect where you're you're training maybe with a sports psychologist to really improve that Mm -hmm. and this is a very long-winded question now i'm getting to my point trust me uh is it is it a case of you know, that helped you through that period to eventually get then to 2020. Yes. Oh, 100%. Um, all through uh, my years competing at the university level, I worked with a sports psych pretty much weekly. I think it got to a point where she was kind of like, I think I can see you every two weeks. <laughs> I said, are you, are you sure? I don't really know if that's the way I should go about this. And she's like, no, I think you're doing okay. So I am a big fan Um supporter uh pusher but not in a negative way um but i definitely think people should work with whether it's sports psychology just psychologists like therapy whatever it is to have an outlet outside of your sport your relationships your life as a whole so that was really big for me um after the 2016 trials and just trying to figure out if i wanted to keep going how to keep going about it and then leading all the way up until my world championship last year and then now moving towards Paris. Is it a case of, in a sport like shooting, there is equal balance between mental and physical training, or is there sort of one that takes precedence over the other? I would say as a whole, it's probably a little bit more mental, just because we we kind of pride ourselves pretty frequently on you don't have to be a certain height or a certain size or a certain weight to be successful at shooting. Like, you can be whoever you are. She's um, saying I've got a chance, be- Ali. I've got a chance. Yes. Okay, good. All right, oh, yeah. Sorry. um so i would say uh, as a whole just to compare those two side by side it would probably be a little bit more mental uh that being said i'm a fan of fitness just in general so it's like if i can be fitter i would imagine i could probably perform better but there's no way to tell that for sure because we've seen athletes all all heights all sizes all genders so i know i've talked to our shooters in the past on this show about what level of physical training is involved but for Mm -hmm. Somebody in air rifle, you know, when you are hitting the gym, what parts of the body are you mainly concentrating that help you the best when it comes to competing? Yeah, I think a lot of like core and hip stability for me because it's a standing position. Um, it kind of puts a lot of pressure on your back, a lot of pressure on your hips because you have your hip kicked out for bone on bone support. Um, if you've seen photos of that in our 
positions. They're kind of crazy. So I think just a lot of core stability kind of helps with that balance. A lot of balance training too. I found that to be really helpful in my physical training is, you know, just working on balance boards, balance pads, because my balance kind of sucks naturally. Like I can hardly stand on one foot, let alone close my eyes on one with one foot, like (laughs) only standing on one foot. It's ridiculous. Or some people don't have that, um, even as shooters. But I would say those are probably the two biggest things. And then, of course, just to stay balanced, I do a little bit of everything, kind of whole body workouts. I always love these sports where, you know, on paper you don't look at a shooter or somebody who's going to the gym as, say, somebody who competes in weightlifting or sort of one of these sports. And I always love learning from these sports when you go to the gym and you're maybe up against athletes who are, you know, doing these sports, is, it, is there some level of competitiveness in you where it's sort of like, well, hey, I want to show what I'm capable and show that shooters are, you know, needing to be physical on certain levels that people don't never give us credit for? Yeah. Oh, most definitely. The only problem is, is I'm like, well, I don't actually have to lift 400 pounds. <laughs> you know I mean, do I want to? Because I want to prove that we can. Yes. But then, especially because our shooting suits that we're using, uh, like the canvas um, material suits that we're using for support just to kind of protect our body from injury, really, because our positions are so weird and we're in them for so long. Uh, If you lift a lot of weights, your muscles are going to get bigger, which means that suit doesn't fit anymore. Uh, (laughs) And that suit's like two grand. So you don't want to grow out of it every two months. Wow. Okay, back yeah, up for one moment. Crazy. I need to I need to learn about this suit because that that's insane. Two thousand dollars. Like what 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 is costing so much about this suit that it's that expensive? I wish I knew. I think <laughs> there's only a handful of companies in the world. Um, so I'm sure a lot of it is the material. The material is probably expensive, and then some of it is there's only a handful of them, so they can charge a little bit more. But I'm just grateful that I have never had to pay out of pocket for one wow. thus far. Yeah, I bet. Because it's, it's crazy. And I think that's what people too, so. Which, is it? Yeah, is yeah it, you don't want to grow out of it. Is it regulated? Is it a sport where the, the shooting federation mm-hmm. are kind of going up and having to check this? Because, I mean, can you, like, I'm not in condoning cheating here, but I'm saying, can you cheat with your suit? Like, I mean, this is, this is, I've never thought about this before that uniforms in shooting is a thing. Right. Oh yeah. So all of our equipment is highly regulated. Um, every competition we go to, we have to go through equipment control and what that looks like for the shooting suits, because they're stiff made of canvas, um, is they have to go through these machines that I think were originally created for like fabric places um, I can't remember the name of them, but they're just these, these little things that drop down and it reads the thickness and then the next machine reads the stiffness. So it, it wow. has to meet those standards every time you go through. Otherwise, you can potentially be disqualified, not able to shoot, things like that. And I have seen it happen. Fascinating. Fascinating. I, I, I got very yeah. excited a few years ago when we had a, a bunch of ski jumpers <laughs> on and was learning all about, obviously, a sport like that and and no disrespect to shooting i can understand in a sport like ski jumping where obviously there's aerodynamics involved there's all that kind of stuff but never would have a million years thought that shooting suits are regulated the things yeah. i learn ali on this show that's yeah that's oh yeah it's everything. Our, our shoes are regulated to make sure they're not too stiff and don't you know wow. that they're bendable all of that 
So that, so that, and like, again, not condoning cheating, but like if they all of a sudden said tomorrow there are no restrictions, how much better would that make you shoot if you could make shoes a certain stiffness, your, your uniform, like levels that you can't do? I would, I would have no way of knowing. I would, I'm sure people could figure it out, whether it's, you know, figuring out how to make the suit so stiff that it doesn't move at all and it just holds your body perfectly still. Um, Same thing with the shooting boots. You know, if you can make it so they don't have any type of curve or anything to them to be able to, you know, lose balance rocking back and forth. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of ways to cheat if you really wanted to search. Jeez, yeah. Again, not condoning it, but it just—it's always those limits of the yeah. what ifs. If uh, you know they had yeah, those exactly. restrictions, two thousand dollars for a suit. How much is your gun worth? And also, do you have the same gun that you've had for a certain amount of time? And do you give it a name? Is it kind of like your best friend? Like, I mean, I, I want to learn more about about your weapon, essentially, yeah. that your tool of the trade. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, okay, guns can be expensive so for air rifle um they can be up to five thousand dollars wow <laughs> yeah um especially depending on the models you get there are some out there that are electronic triggers so it's actually a battery operating um the mechanism in there so it's a little bit more accurate a little bit more consistent which is why people are starting to move to them that's actually what i shoot and so that one can run up to five grand depending on the stock you have it in um, I have not been shooting the same gun for years. I actually started with a on shoot 2002 junior Woodstock when I was very young, shot it halfway through university until somebody was like, why are you, why are you shooting that? Like there's these other guns that are better and have more adjustments and things that'll, you'll probably shoot better. And I, <laughs> Didn't, didn't think about that ever. Don't know why. I was just stupid, I guess. <laughs> I <was just laughs> doing what I did. Um, and so I actually bought a Walther air rifle for the first time from one of my friends and competitors. She was, she was my best friend, and we shot against each other too. But she was upgrading hers to a different stock or gun and then um, offered to sell me hers, her old one. So I took that up and fell in love with it just felt fit me so much better. You had more adjustments. And then now I shoot a, another new gun. Um, that's the one that I went to the Olympics with and won the world championship with, which is a Walther monotech stock. So it's, it was a new iteration of their stock that they came out with, um, that has even more adjustments. So if you did, it looks completely different. It clamps the barrel differently instead of this, like, a whole other mechanism. Yeah, it's a whole lot that I don't even fully understand. You get very excited talking about it, though. Like, I, I can see you, like, lining up and it's like, oh, I can do all these things yeah. with it, right? Like, that. that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Which, you know, you, you're you basically James Bond, right? Because if you're saying it's from Walther, then that, you know, famously yeah. Walther PPK. So I'm just saying that right? makes you James Bond. Have you ever thought of that before? Yeah. I have not. I think I should make a poster, though. For you sure. should. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think that that should be a way to advertise yourself out there a little bit more and yep. uh, get yep. the kids involved in shooting. And uh, I think that that would work. I think that we're always mm-hmm. advocating for, for getting more people involved in the sports that we talk about on this show. So uh, you're, you're welcome, Ali. You're welcome. One thing, actually, I want to touch Thank on before we get to the Olympics, uh, Pan Ams 2019 gold medal there uh that experience uh going to i believe that was in peru if i'm not mistaken it was correct 
Hey, research team, that's one for them. They're doing well. Uh, how, how, how was Peru and how was winning gold at the Pan Ams? It was good. It was uh, my first experience of a lot of stress. Um, before all of that, you know, I was kind of still learning how to compete internationally. And that was my first competition where I kind of had to win because in order, if I won, um, the U.S. would have another quota to go to the Olympics. And it was our last chance to earn that other quota. Wow. So I had to win. Um, and so that was stressful. I did not necessarily handle the stress well. Uh, the people that were there with me can probably <laughs> confirm that. I've got to ask how, 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 what, what's, what's crazy? What are you doing? Did the people of Peru still not want you back there because of how crazy you were? I mean, what happened? No, it was just, I'm a very emotional person. Sometimes I wear my heart on my sleeve uh, or whatever emotion it is. So it would kind of be random tears if like a training day didn't go well. Um, my event was at the end and a lot of other people were succeeding. So I kind of started panicking internally. Like, what if I don't, what if I don't succeed and I'm one of the only people here that doesn't. Um, so just a lot more tears. I'm also incredibly competitive. And so the high stress environment and highly competitive um, in everything, literally everything, we actually, they had some cornhole boards. I don't know if you guys know what cornhole oh, yes, is. Yes, yes, yep, yep. Yep. Set up in the village outside of the Team USA uh, building. And some of my teammates and friends and I were playing. I wasn't hitting the board at all. I was doing terrible. <laughs> and somebody was making fun of me. And I kind of just snapped and screamed at them. And wow. was like, just shut up. <laughs> There was more words in there, Ali. You can vent right now if you want yeah, to relive yeah. that. You can you can say it on this show. It's fine. I, I don't even know if I can remember them. It was it was just a whole snap screaming. You know they're bad everyone, when you can't remember them. That's great. Yeah. Everyone kind of just went silent and just stared. I was like, I am so sorry. So we like finished the game in silence. They came over and they were going to go over and hang out at the international zone to eat some food and grab. I think there's some beer and stuff over there. And they said, do you want to come? And I said, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I just did a little bit of self-reflection. I think it's better if I go sit by myself for a little bit, kind of recover, <laughs> calm down again until I can be a human and function normally. Wow. And then I'll come to you guys. So it was an incredible experience, but such a huge growth experience too, to be able to come out from that and then still see success at the end of the week or in that second quota that um, ultimately i got to i think pretty much fill when i made the olympic team so it was good but let me guess when you got that gold medal around your neck you then go back to that cornhole course and then you dominate right <laughs> right you're right yeah no actually i think instead we went into the international zone and celebrated a little <laughs> bit <laughs> i'm okay now guys i can i can join you yeah. for that bit yeah. which i mean at also least smile at least smile uh, is it also that case too where it's your first taste of a multi-sport event where you are in that village environment you are around athletes in other sports that no doubt shooters do not associate with that helps you eventually experience obviously a, a bit differently in tokyo given the circumstances but still at least allowed you to experience that mm -hmm. absolutely yeah i am very grateful that i had that experience beforehand because it's also the only event that we go to that you're staying in the village as well so you're surrounded by other countries and you know all of the apartment buildings and you have a main cafeteria that you have to eat at in this dining hall um, and eat whatever food that they're having served for you. So uh, that was a huge experience for me. And I definitely, you know, I think it's very beneficial to try to make that Pan American Games team before the Olympics every year. Is it goal later this year to, to head to, to Chile for the, for the next ones? 
Absolutely. I sure hope so. You're going to defend the Two title, right? Go yeah, right? Exactly. That and then um, I've also always wanted to go to Chile, so. <laughs> hey. Two birds with one stone. Bucket list. That's that's what you, you do right. that way. The, the Olympics are obviously, they're delayed. We, we know everything mm-hmm. that kind of happened there. You touched on that level of not knowing if you have to qualify again. You, you ultimately end up there. Now, always like to mm-hmm. learn just the experiences outside of the competing side because you're in a very unique position. Your event is literally the first medal event of the Olympics, which we will touch on. Right. But outside of that, just getting to Tokyo, village life, getting your uniform, all those little things like that. I mean, how did you kind of soak all that up? And I'm going to ask you about the opening ceremony separately, so I'll get to that in just a moment as well. Okay. Um, I think it was hard to soak it up because it was so surreal. <laughs> Every step of the way. I mean, we started traveling and I was like, okay, we're, we're traveling to an international match. I've done this before. <laughs> right. And then suddenly you start seeing all team USA athletes, you know, people from basketball, people from, you know, volleyball teams, like all of these people start being in the same airport, like waiting at the same gate. Like this whole flight is team <laughs> USA because we're going to the Olympics. <laughs> like that's kind of wild. <laughs> Um, so it would start hitting you. And then as soon as you landed in Tokyo, um, of course we had COVID protocols. So we had to kind of like get shuffled through the airport, like station by station and check all the boxes of the things we needed to do. But amidst that was, you know, getting our credentials that was going to be our credentials for the rest of the week that said, you know, Olympian Tokyo Olympics and all of it was just surreal and so special. And then we got to the village at like when the sun was rising, wow. five or six a.m. Um, yeah, it was a long process. But then we got checked into our rooms, you know, unlocked our apartment door, walked in, went to our bedrooms, and we also had like a patio. And my bedroom was facing the Tokyo Bay area. So then, just being able to watch the sunrise kind of over the Tokyo Bay and just letting it all kind of sink in was really, really awesome. Yeah. And then we ate breakfast and took a nap but I, I, I well that's the main thing you got to catch up particularly if you're there that that time i think i saw in an interview you you mentioned about the excitement of being on a team with simone biles did you get to meet simone did you kind of just stalk her in the village i did not yeah i didn't do a whole lot of stalking anyone in the village i was just kind of more like is that i can't really tell I'm like oh my gosh there's that person <laughs> you know things like that but um the competition schedule and the training schedule and just since we couldn't go to other events made it you pretty much only saw people in the dining hall which, and every now and then walking around. But the thing that I love about your experience, Ali, which is what I've always been an advocate for, it's that opening ceremony and the fact that you made yourself go because we, we learned so many stories about, oh, I've got to compete the next day. Obviously, an opening ceremony is very long. It's drawn out, all that kind of stuff. But I've always said, like, no, fuck it. Like, I don't care if I'm competing at five in the damn morning. I am going to that opening ceremony, which... You basically did, did you not? You basically yeah. said, no, fuck it. I'm going to the opening ceremony. And you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked to my coaches. I talked to our um, physio that was with us and said, hey, I know it's going to be a long night. I know I do have to compete tomorrow, but I think if I don't go, I'm going to be up all night pretty sad, pretty disappointed in myself for not saying, yeah, fuck it, I'm going to go. <laughs> um, and we worked out a deal. Like I had some basically compression leggings to try to help with recovery and make sure that, you know, I'm not killing my body by being on my feet for so long. And they did send one bus back early so I could get back to my room a little bit early and not necessarily stay for the whole thing, but at least walk through. Um, 
And so I'm so grateful that I did because I'm a big FOMO, which is fear of missing out for anyone that doesn't know person. And I would have just been sitting in my room sad as heck with so much FOMO. So I'm, I'm really glad I had that experience because I, I think I'd do it again. Honestly, a part of me was like, Oh, now I don't have to do it next time, but I would do it again. (laughs) Which, which be just between you and I, uh, did it affect your performance the next day? No. Okay, good. Not at all. Okay. Yeah. I'm very grateful for that too. Yeah. Not any, not any little bit. It was actually probably one of the best performances I had had. Okay, I just wanted to clear that up in case you'd, you know, hid that from your car. No, I'm fine, coach. Oh, I'm just, oh, yep, let, yeah. let's go. Olympics, let's, let's. Yeah, they're let's. like blaming me for shooting it. <laughs> exactly. For not winning the Olympics. Exactly. Because you went last year. Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. I, I'm completely yeah. fine. 14th <laughs> in the event, which, again, this is the first medal event of the Olympics. This is the one that mm-hmm. us as people who are covering the games are straight away going, who's going to win the first gold medal of, of, of the Olympics? Yeah. Obviously, it's top 10 make it through to the final round for, for the medals. I, I read your post that you did not long after Tokyo. It's a great post on Instagram where you sort of discuss sort of how you were feeling on the day, kind of it was that pride and then kind of it sort of turned into some some negative thoughts, everything along those lines. Been a couple of years now, Ali. I mean, how do you sort of look back and reflect on that performance that you did have in Tokyo in the individual event? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely... I think I probably still look back at it in the pretty similar light of the post that I had made. Um, I stepped off the line and I, I can hold on to the more positive parts a little bit more now than what I did a few hours after. But when I, I stepped up to the line, right before we even started competing and I had such bad butterflies and I had never really competed with such bad butterflies before, just the nerves just kind of hitting me. And I kind of talked myself down, talked myself out of that um, with all of the work I'd done with sports psychology and just let myself compete. And when I finished and the score was not at all what I wanted, I was bummed. I was for sure like, dang, I definitely could. I know I can shoot better scores. Like I know I could have been in the you know top eight or trying to win a medal today, later today. But I also had such a good match as far as staying level-headed, you know, never getting frustrated, never getting down on myself, staying positive, making all of the right choices. You know, when you think of shooting and the shooting sports, you're like, oh, well, they don't really move. They don't do a whole lot, but we have a whole process that we have to do. And it's all about consistency. And I was so proud of the choices I had made through all of that. And, you know, staying consistent, staying on top of things and doing everything I was supposed to do. So um, I think now, this many years later, two years later, I kind of have realized that I want to remember those pieces more often at every match. So like, that's kind of my goal for every match is to be able to step off the line and really truly say like, I gave it everything I had, whether it worked for me that day or did not work for me that day. And 14th at an Olympics though, Ali, no matter, no matter what happens from this point on, I mean, God, I I would take 700th at an Olympics to be completely honest with you. But I mean, that's still... Pretty, pretty, and your first Olympics too, and to come what barely three, four years after making your first national team as well. So going from your nearly making well, the the drama in twenty sixteen to that point, I yeah. mean, again, reflection. It sort of it changes a little bit, doesn't yeah. it? Absolutely, and makes you hungrier than obviously for what's going to happen uh, through everything yeah. there. I mean, just on obviously you compete in the mixed event as well. Mm-hmm. So through that one, you get through to the second qualifying stage ultimately don't make the top four for the shootout. But it's, I mean, the thing that you talk about being competitive, when you've got teammates who then you are beating in the Mm -hmm. first round of qualifying, 
they then beat you in the second round and go on to win the silver medal. Obviously, you're happy yep. for them, but there's obviously, I can imagine that competitiveness of going like, oh, well, we beat them in that first bit. That could have been us. Like, does that yep. ever hit you at all? Um, I would say it probably kicks me a little bit, but it was also part of like, dang, like, because the competitiveness would come from more rather than, it would, it'd be more so being like, dang, like, I wish we could be shooting against them for that medal. You know what I mean? So yeah. that way we could both be leaving for a medal. Like, just who gets the better one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, which, I mean, everyone yeah. likes color gold over silver. I, I never get when people say, like, yeah. oh, get me a silver ring. Like, you know, oh, like, I, I, I wear silver. Like, no, gold's better. We always want gold, right? Come on. <laughs> yeah. No one yeah. I'd, I'd love to meet an athlete who's like, yeah, I really wanted to win that silver medal at the Olympics. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I'm don't, yeah, don't I think I've heard... We used to joke, uh, and not even joke, people just talk about they've heard, like, research has found that, like, bronze is, like, the happiest person. <laughs> well, gold is obviously happy, but bronze is the happiest person because they made it on the podium. Yep. Silver is, like, the most depressed person up there because <laughs> they didn't win the gold, so they don't even really feel like <laughs> they should be up there. And then gold is obviously happy, but... Yep. Yeah. Yep. And unless you're Michael Phelps, you're like, oh, another gold, put it on the pile. Yeah. Do I need yeah, another one of these? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, too, too, too many when it comes to that. Fast forward, obviously, to, to last year. First mm-hmm. rifle world champion for the US in 43 years in Cairo. What a, what a place to, to win a gold medal. Uh, yep. And the final, uh, uh, reading an interview you did with the Olympics website, sort of mm-hmm. talking about, uh, you know, the nutritional side of things, but this 30-second timeout that you had in this shootout to win the title that basically helped change it. Tell us a little bit about what happened there in the final and kind of how you were able to use that to then win the world championship. Um, Man, okay, yeah. So I honestly was not expecting my coach to take that 30-second timeout. I was a little shocked when he did, not in a bad way. I was like, oh, all right. (laughs) We're taking this. What am I going to do? Um. So the final was good. I was shooting well. I was happy with what I was doing. She was also shooting well. <laughs> um, so I knew that I, I couldn't really give up a lot of anything. You know, I had to kind of stay on top of my game. Um, I couldn't relax much. And then I did shoot a couple of nines in a row, which in the sport of rifle is not good. <laughs> like, you know, a shallow, you know, it's in decimal scoring. So basically even a 10 10.0 isn't great. Um, you're going to lose ground um, in a, you know, where the decimals are adding up. But thankfully in that one, it didn't make me lose any ground, but I did lose two points. So a total of four points in a row, um, which got a little stressful because I didn't see those nines. I didn't know why they both went basically on top of each other. I didn't really know. I kind of went into like a small bit of a panic mode and a fix it mode. Um, and which thankfully that time out, my coach didn't really have anything to say about the previous shots. I think he might've literally said like, ah, maybe we can just fake her out a little bit, you know, like you're doing fine. Take a breath. It's going to be all right. And for whatever reason, it's just what I needed to sort of just pull me out of that panic mode and go right back into my normal process and what I'm capable of and just kind of sticking to that performance aspect and less so on the potential outcome that was in, in reach. Incredible, incredible. Just uh, 30 seconds yeah. can t- change so yeah. much and then go on to that point, which, I, I mean, I love hearing this level that you have of that, that that stress and everything that you have, but then to, I guess, relieve it with winning a gold medal. I mean, what's that feeling like? And were you aware that it had been 43 years since America had won a, a world championship in, in rifle? I, I was not. I'm not good at history. It was never my best uh, 
school topic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'm with you there. Don't worry. Yeah. So I did not know that until after, which was even more um, exciting and grateful, maybe even just a little bit humbling. We're just like, wow, like I was able to do that for our country, which is super cool. Um, And that it was me. And as soon as I did win, you know, I kind of closed it out. I like think back and I've never gone back and watched the final. I really should because they're always up and I, I just haven't gotten myself to do it because I'm a little bit nervous because I'm, I'm going to judge myself when I watch it, even if it's just like, why'd you make that face? So, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done that yet. Um, but I do remember feeling, you know, almost in a way like I was kind of not afraid to celebrate, but I... I struggled to celebrate right away because it was just like, I, I don't really know what's going on. Like, I, like all of the adrenaline was still kind of hitting and we have to, you know, put our clear bore indicator in um, or our safety flag in to make sure that the barrel's clear and there's not, no rounds or anything in it um, and put my gun down. And like, it, it was just kind of like slowly hitting me over and over again. And then the photos and all of that. Yeah. Just excitement, gratitude, uh, that everything, all the hard work I'd put in was, you know, came together and I saw it at this level and that I held it together, honestly, especially after that bit of a panic mode that I was able to come through and close it out. And that also secures a quota for the US, of course, for Paris as well, which as we know in sports, sadly, doesn't guarantee your place in there. Obviously, there's still separate qualifying spots to go there. But back to my point, looks kind of good on the resume doesn't it that you achieved yeah. that broken 43 drought i mean you right. know like come on team mm-hmm. usa i think ali might have that slot yeah 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 it definitely i think looks good on the resume i definitely have you know obviously immense amount of support from team usa and the usa shooting and then the u.s army as well um so i cannot complain about that that helps me a whole bunch and i think they have a, a lot of confidence in me being able to do that even when i'm not having good days right like i don't think they think oh it was just a one-time deal she's done you know they they are very supportive of me still but it still also changes a lot right now you're just always introduced into a room as world champion ali wise versus just like oh he's ali but now it's world champion right like i mean Mm -hmm. come on and is it a case of whenever somebody like introduces you excuse me world champion ali wise like correct yourself like you've got to be that way i think you should be yeah, I know a lot of people think I should be, but that is never who I've been. <laughs> I kind of forgot about it happening pretty quick after. Oh, that <laughs> little thing. Why did I go yeah. to Egypt? What What was I doing there? Right. Oh. People were like, oh, this is, you know, she's a world champion. And I was like, please stop. <laughs> I'm just trying to eat dinner. <laughs> That's like, yeah. You should totally like just go into restaurants and just be like, you know, like, oh, world champion. We always do that when we talk to our medalists on this show, particularly from the Olympics. We say, like, do you get free shit with your medal? Like, do you just walk into McDonald's like, hey, Olympic medal, free Big Mac? Like, have you tried? Have you like, obviously, well, do it. I think you should. Like, I'm I'm putting the challenge out there for you, Ali. Come on. Let's see what you can get. There's definitely a few things that I would love to try to like, like, hey, can we work together? You know, or something like that. God, give us some examples. Put it out there into the universe. What would you like to do? with that okay this one's a crazy one and i'm actually not even sure there's a lot of rules in the army so i don't know if i could but a dream would be to i have an old 1976 ford bronco um, that my grandfather left to me when he passed away and it needs to be redone Mm -hmm. and so there's a few places in the u.s that you know completely redo uh these broncos but for a lot of money (laughs) 
Hey. And not a lot of money that I have right now. And so I was like, man, if I could, if we could work something out, that would be the coolest World thing. champion shooter, Ali Weiss, wants her car fixed, right? I tell you what, you yes. put it out yep. there, it will happen. Yep. And you know what would make it even better? An Olympic gold medal. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I don't know if those $2,000 suits are allowed sponsorship, but you could have like Joe's garage written across your suits, <laughs> right, at the Olympics. Yeah. I know they frown upon sponsorship at the Olympics, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Thomas. Don't worry. Like you could do it to get your car. Like, I, I, I think we can do that, surely. Just yeah. don't tell the yeah. army. Just, they right. won't know, right? <laughs> I don't I, – I won't tell them if you don't. <laughs> I have a loan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 podium off the podium show I did in Australia. They they paid me a lot of money to to get my car fixed. <laughs> Before I get to some questions to sort of close it out, just some fun ones to get you get to know you. Just on your role with the army. So you're in the army marksmanship unit now. If I'm reading this correctly, Ali, do you basically get paid to train for the Olympics in the army? Is that the way I can look at it? Yeah, that's probably the easiest way to look at it for sure. Um, it's a specialty unit in the Army, so I am still active duty in the U.S. Army. But the specialty unit, uh, our job is to compete and train um, on the international and national level, win, win medals, go to the Olympics, things like that. Uh, we're also a really great recruiting tool just to sort of like show people in the U.S. that there's more to the U.S. Army than just shooting big guns and being on the front lines. There's a lot of other options a lot of other jobs i think we have over 150 jobs or more by now it's basically this if there's a job in the civilian world you probably have that job in the army um so for me i'm very fortunate to be able to have the opportunity to be in the army be supportive financially um which means i get to support myself financially and not have to worry about much and be able to focus on training so not only are you james bond you're also captain america Right. This is. Can I be both? Is that of possible? Of course. You, I mean, anything to get your car fixed. Absolutely. Right. I, I mean, I'm just saying it right now. The more we can sell this, you know, yep. world champion James Bond, Captain America. I mean, why can't you get your car? Like, come on. Right. This should Easy. Be, this should be getting it done. But that, I mean, that's just an amazing though, because I, I don't think there are many, you know, opportunities for people or Olympic athletes to find a job that's basically. Your job is to go to the Olympics. They're basically saying, well, you're going to go out there and go. Are there other sports within the army that they do that with outside of shooting? There is. Uh, I don't know much about how to get into it, but there is the um, Army's World Class Athlete Program. Right. And it's based out of Fort Carson, Colorado. And there's wrestlers, um, maybe boxers, I think some swimmers. There's a handful of people in sports up there that are a part of the army i think maybe some track athletes as well that are in this world-class athlete program which means they're also in the u.s army Fantastic. and they get supported in a similar way wow geez that's how to do it i like that yeah there you go it's a, it's a cool way to serve your country you know in two kinds of ways well, i was you know, gonna say you, you're literally doing it on both levels which yeah. fascinating fascinating way mm-hmm. to do that ali we like to wrap out with a sort of sort of get to know you style questions actually one yeah. thing i want to ask just we always ask generally our, our medalists what they do with the medal uh what, what do you do with your world championship medal is this is in your pocket right now so you can try and get the free stuff or <laughs> no this is such an embarrassment i'm embarrassed to answer this question uh it's in a box ah, <laughs> just that's... like 
hanging out with some other medals that I, can, that I haven't hung You've up. You've got to wait for the Olympics, anything. right? You've got to wait for the Olympic one to put it side yeah. by side. That's what you're doing, right? <laughs> eventually, yeah. Eventually I'll put it in like a shadow box and hang it on the wall. But for now, it's just chilling in the box <laughs> on the floor. Saying oh, right oh. now, not 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 the worst answer we've had to that where some of the people put it. You know, it's not That's in a right. sock in your underwear drawer or something like that, right? Like yeah. just literally some people have it just sitting there That's chilling. That's awesome. Yeah, you know. Awesome. Other people have it around their neck when they're doing the interview, but hey, like, you yeah. know. Yeah, I thought about it. I was like, I should have grabbed it. But. <laughs> Who are we to judge on the preparation it takes of being on this esteemed podcast such as ours? Uh, Ali, we wrap it up with a set of get-to-know questions now. As always, these are a set of questions that – we're given to Team Canada athletes ahead of both Rio and Pyeongchang. Simple get-to-know-you questions. But there is, as always, if you want to, there is an element of drawing. It's completely optional. But basically, uh, if you want to do some homework, you've got not much on the evening, uh, I can give you some prompts and you can do some drawing and send it into us. So how are you at drawing, by the way? Uh, not great. Not great. Okay, cool. We're, I'm, I'm waiting yeah. to get one person who's like, yeah, it's my favorite thing. I'm drawing for you right now. We have had like a few athletes do it. Only winter athletes though. No summer athletes. Okay. So, oh, man, maybe I should do it then. I was going to say, I know you're competitive. So yeah. uh, basically yeah. it would be draw a picture of yourself, uh, draw a picture of a teammate and also your favorite okay. animal. So, you know. Ooh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah, okay, I'll try. I think I might try to do that. All right, good. All right, uh, flick it through to us and we'll put it on our social. Uh, let's start off with your favorite ever Olympic moment is. And you can say can your I own. Use... <laughs> I can't? You can. You can. You're allowed to. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm just going to have to say standing in the tunnel, like the experience of standing in the tunnel before Team USA walks through the opening ceremony because it's like so much pride and chanting, you know, USA, USA. And it just echoes through the whole tunnel. So that's probably my favorite thing right now. The thing that obviously you didn't get that full experience just in terms of an empty stadium and everything, but um, we're, we're sort of doing a series here in the show at the moment where we're going back and watching old opening ceremonies and kind of giving their takes on it. But no matter where the Olympics are in the world and USA walks out in the stadium, they always get this cheer, right? It's like, yeah. here's the US, here yeah. they are. So, I mean, and Paris itself is going to be unique, obviously, because it's going down the river, yeah. essentially. So yeah. you got to keep going to LA so you can go out there in SoFi mm-hmm. Stadium, right, and kind of yeah. do that at home. So that's where you got to keep tracking towards as well. Right. Just putting it out there Absolutely. into the universe. And then yeah. Brisbane, Thank you can you. come to Australia in 2032, right? Man, yeah, I thought I was going to be done after 28, but then when that one came out, I've always wanted to go to Australia. So I was like, ah, we right. might keep going. Exactly. And again, as, as somebody with a, a lot of sway in this country, I formally invite you to Australia because clearly, <laughs> you. Yes. you know, I, I'm needed to do that. Um, if you could choose, well, on that topic, if you could choose any Olympic host city, where would it be? Any Olympic host. Oh, man, it's going to be a pretty big tie between australia so it's happening yep. so anywhere really in australia <laughs> um and then somewhere in italy okay yep you go to the winter cool. olympics in about it in a year and a two two and a bit yeah, years I know. change we, sports real quick <laughs> biathlon do you know how to ski like i mean you've got nope. half of it done well, learn to ski there you go you could go to milan <laughs> It's probably the hardest thing to learn. Yeah, I'm sure that's that simple, right? As somebody who yeah. clearly knows biathlon well, like, yeah, just learn to ski. Yeah. You can shoot. Sure. So, it's yeah. that simple. Hello to all our biathletes listening to the, the show yeah. today. Uh, in your spare time, what do you most like to do? Um, spend time outside. I uh, 
love the outdoors, especially in the nice weather. I know I've had a friend call me like I'm like a lizard. If there's sun out, I want to be out in it or just you know, be warm. Um, so I have a dog now, so it's definitely hanging out on the back porch with my dog, hanging out with her, Beautiful. um, or hiking, things like that. Just going on adventures. Nice. What type of dog? What, what's her name? Uh, her name is Lucy. I adopted her last July, actually, just before world championships. And, um, she's a great Pyrenees Alaskan Malamute. Oh, husky. nice. So yeah, she's a fluff monster. For I was sure. going to say that I had a husky growing up. They are a unique dog, but yep. amazing at the same time, right? Like they've got the, the most uniquest personality of any dogs I think I've ever experienced. Yep. Yeah. Very vocal, very uh, independent, but also needy when they want to be. So mm-hmm. like, like, excuse me, I need attention now. Yep. 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 <sighs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the weirdest instruction a coach ever gave you was... I won't say the weirdest instruction because I don't know that for sure. But um, the weirdest thing was jokingly threatening to throw a shoe at me if I didn't follow through or like do the right thing that I was working on. <laughs> uh, are you sure they were joking? Uh- <laughs> no, I definitely think they probably actually did toss a shoe at me, but at least it wasn't <laughs> aggressive or hard. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Playful, not aggressive. <laughs> I mean, whatever works. That just reminds me, wasn't, didn't George Bush back in the day, was he in like Iraq or something like that? And he got shoes thrown at him like that. Like it was something along those lines. I remember. Like, I mean, geez, maybe that's just effective. It gets you, gets you motivated. Like, wow. Okay. I like that one. Um, you kind of, we talked a little bit about your sort of working out before, but, uh, do you have a favorite workout? I mean, let's, let's throw that either mentally or physically kind of like you have a favorite workout. Um, probably like just a really good core burner, like an ab burner. Um, done some where there's probably like 10 different exercises that you have to go through a couple times. And by the end of it, your abs are just screaming for help. I love those. Uh, I don't know why I love those. The other thing I like doing, I don't like running. So for cardio is a Jacob's ladder. Everyone hates it and it is pretty much actual hell. But for whatever reason, when I finish it, I feel so much more accomplished because I'm like, yeah, that thing sucks. And I just did it. That's that's the beauty though of like a good workout. Like, yeah, it's torture, Mm -hmm. but there's something so satisfying when you can say you're sore like that's the weird thing isn't it like that that a workout is the only thing where you are happy to be sore afterwards yes exactly yeah like i did something you did something (laughs) like i achieved it right there you go if you could have lunch with any one person who would it be oh man i used to have such good answers for this your drawing's gonna make up for it though ellie trust us i hope so man um I don't have a reason why. You never have to have a reason why on this show. It's fine. But um, I'm just going to say Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Noble. I like that. Yeah. That works. I just think it'd be interesting. It's like from a very different time period. So yeah. just like ask questions about that time period. Like what was life like, you know? I think the unique thing about having lunch with any really well-known historical figure would be to get that perspective of talking and particularly people say in an era where there wasn't tv there wasn't like footage there wasn't interviews like i would love to have lunch with barack obama but we see him a lot on tv and all that sort of stuff so you kind of get to know was abraham lincoln unless it was daniel day lewis playing him in a movie like you know it's kind of 
what do we sort of have with that? I like that answer. Yeah. I like that answer. Uh, your favourite sandwich is? Um, turkey, brie, and cranberry. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Good combo. Now, got to ask. Mm-hmm. Got to ask the bread, though. What type of bread are we having with this? <sighs> Ciabatta. Oh, good answer. All right. Yep. That's making me hungry. Uh, if you could have any superpower, and we know you're Captain America and James Bond, so you've got these, but if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Um, probably teleportation, just because I like traveling, but it takes so much time. It's like, oh, if I could just like teleport there and then spend a day and teleport home, yep. that would be awesome. Yep, that, that makes it easy. Uh, the best candy in the world is? Chocolate. Mm, yeah, dark chocolate, big chocolate girl. Oh, dark chocolate. Yes, I do love some dark chocolate. Uh, as a kid, your favorite sports team was? It didn't have one. Oh, okay. Do you have one now? Do you have one now? Um, well, I'm gonna have to go with I'm a big into college sports. So uh, if I was going to really choose, I kind of have to choose my alma mater, which is <laughs> Ole Miss, but they're not always great. So. <laughs> That's you know, the beauty of going for not great sports teams is that when they do become great, you've gone on a ride with them, right? So that's exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, sports fans know pain because, you know, and that's not the good pain, like the yeah. working out pain, right? So, yeah, yeah, right. That's the worst pain. <laughs> exactly. Uh, your favorite sports movie is? Mm, I can't answer this one, mostly because I cannot think of the name of it. Can you give us a description and we can try and guess it or? <laughs> <laughs> Putting you on the spot too yeah. much? <laughs> no, yeah, no, you're fine. I think it changes a lot. I'm not really good with favorites, but um, it's a football one, kind of an underdog team. They have to do a bunch of these like exercises across the football field or down the football field. Remember the Titans? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. There's, I mean, there's a few of those, yeah. but um, I, yeah. I didn't say the water boy because you didn't say Adam Sandler. Usually you lead with Adam Sandler for those sort of ones. Yeah, yeah. But, um, it's, it's, it's interesting actually because like NFL, American football is, is pretty big in Australia uh, uh, of all things, mm-hmm. but it's kind of one of those things whenever there's like a movie about it, like Australians always seem to love it. And it's kind of like, that's how we get educated, right? It's like that and playing right, Madden. Yeah. We have no idea what's going on until we do it. It's like, okay, cool. That's how you you play it. Um, If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Italy. Italy. Have you been to Italy before? I have, yeah. We had a small training camp um, just before the World Championships in 18 that I got to experience there. I think we, um, man, we were in Bologna and then like traveled down to Florence, so got to learn the love of their food just how social they are and friendly they are i really like a lot of that brilliant brilliant i always love this question because you can interpret this however the heck you want it's fantastic when you were little what was one thing you always thought oh man one thing i always thought (laughs) i think that i would be a veterinarian i really thought that okay is that on the cards could you do that still do you think no no not quite okay no, I have surpassed that. I definitely don't want to do the school or anything with it. And I fell in love with the nutrition side of things. So. Okay. Okay. That, that works. Uh, the last one here, again, you might not have one to go ready or you might. I don't know. What is your favorite joke to tell? Dang. Um, yeah, I don't have one. Don't have one? No, it's all right. Yeah. It's one of those things where, again, like everyone's always got one or they don't. It's just kind of like it's sort of... Yeah. Uh, you know, one, one I went through a phase for a little bit where not a phase. Like there was a short amount of time where I, I like... 
I heard this funny one that was really funny, but now it's been so long, so I can't remember it. You can you can send it in, send it in with the uh, the, the drawings that sort of stuff. And actually, off the cuff, we're gonna we're gonna add this just because uh, this was a, a an ongoing joke in this show, which apparently we find funny, but others don't. Uh, what is your favorite What is your favorite meatloaf song? Meat? I don't think I really. Even you don't know, know who meatloaf is? That 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 really. I, no, I know who he. I okay, know who okay, they good. Are. All right, okay, good. Just don't. I just have the don't song. know song names or like. Song that have to like pull up Spotify. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I heard "Bad Out of Hell," um, but uh, others. Uh... <laughs> okay, perfect. Thank you. If that gives you a point amongst the group, <laughs> I, I tell you now, you thought my long-winded question that I asked you in this interview was bad. Uh, I'll send you a link to maybe the worst interview question I've ever asked in my life, and it related to meatloaf. So uh, there you go, uh, Ali. Before we let you go, if people want to follow you on your journey between now and Paris oh. and beyond, uh, Instagram, social media, where can people sort of stay up to date with what you're up to? Yeah, I would say I'm probably biggest on Instagram. So it's at a underscore Weiss uh, seven. And seven. Is that a lucky number seven or is that just because there were six others before you or? No, favorite number. Favorite number. For whatever reason, reason it's my favorite number. Just, uh, just pick one, done, simple that way. Ali, yeah, this like, is seven gold medals is what that, that's what it means right. for. That's what you're aiming towards. Uh, so yeah. much fun, Ali, to learn a lot more about sort of your career, the sport of shooting and everything along those lines too. Good luck with everything moving forward for Paris, for LA, for, for Chile this year, as well as Brisbane and beyond. And we look forward to hearing about this car. Please send us pictures of that as well. Once we get all the sponsorship deals for you after this interview, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And a massive, massive thanks there to Ali for her time. And and I, I feel so proper saying this, and to the US Army for uh, arranging that chat for us. I, I've never had to go through the US Army to get an interview before, and I feel quite, uh, quite privileged to be able to say that I was able to do that today. So uh, big thanks to everybody there for arranging that. And again, for Ali, for her time, for people for listening, if you like what you heard today with Ali and you want to see the video version of that, of course, YouTube is where you can find that to see all of our video versions of our interviews as well. We are hoping to eventually put up our video episodes of our non-interviews because right now we only simply put up our interviews because we assume you don't want to stare at me, Colin and Jared talking for an hour or two. You don't need to see our faces for that long, but we are in the midst of a, a few plans for this show moving forward and we're thinking that that will be one that you may enjoy. So uh, stay tuned for that one as well and stay tuned for some great interviews that we've got coming up in the coming weeks, I'm actually very, very excited for who we've got on the books next week on the show. We're returning to the sport of moguls. Mogul, 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 mogul. You remember our commentary back from 2018. Maddie Himbury, 2018 Olympian from Australia, competed in moguls. And we're going to be speaking to her about the sport. Always exciting to talk about moguls. You know Dale Begg-Smith is going to be talked about next week. So that's always an exciting prospect to get to with that one. Then after that, we're going to be speaking a bit of a, a unique one. We're speaking to somebody who never made it to the Olympics as an athlete, but could have and very nearly would have and probably would have had her sport been allowed at the Olympics when she was competing Unfortunately, she was just a little bit too early when it came to being in her sport, but she has used her knowledge and everything involved from her sporting career to pen a book 
about women in sport. Her name is Alex Allred. She is a former American bobsledder who was the one of the first ever American women on a national U.S. women's bobsled team, but has written a book, a recent book, which I have read, and it is fantastic. It is called When Women Stood. It is all about the fight for equality for women in sports over the years, very in-depth, very educational, cannot recommend it enough. And I sat down with Alex to talk about not only her experiences in bobsled, but also her writing this book as well. So we will be having her on in a couple of weeks. After that, we're going back into our opening ceremony review series. Of course, we're doing Calgary next. We're going back to 1988, where Colin, Jared and myself will give our thoughts on Canada's first ever Winter Olympics that they had back in 1988. And then after that, plenty more to come. But I just want to tease one more interview. I'm not going to say who, but it's a very big name athlete competed in a couple of Olympics in a winter sport and has gone on to very big things post-Olympics, known particularly now for their commentary. And I will say there is a massive connection to Eurovision with this guest. Now, for those who are listening to this who have no idea about Eurovision and are going, why are you bringing this up, Ben? One of our sister shows talks about Eurovision. It's an amazing event held every year. It's basically the European Olympics for swimming, uh, singing. Could be for swimming. They could probably add it there as well if you're not aware of it. ABBA were born from Eurovision if you don't know what it is. But anyway, there's a big connection to this guest from Eurovision as well as their esteemed Olympic careers. So uh, that'll be coming your way. And as you heard, obviously, us talk to Ali in this episode about the Pan Ams. Of course, Chile, as we've said, Santiago, the Pan Ams are in October of this year. And we're covering them as we keep teasing. So uh, you've just enjoyed our coverage of another major sporting event with the Women's World Cup wrapping up. And now we're going to move straight into the Pan Am Games in a couple of months as well. Ahead of a very, very busy 12 months. My goodness me. We've got uh, the, the little event. I think you might have heard of them. They're called the Olympic Games. Hence why you're listening to this podcast. They are next year in Paris. We are obviously less than a year away from those. And we do have a Youth Olympic Games to cover, which we're going to be doing for the very first time as well. The Youth Winter Olympic Games in Gangwon in South Korea. That is happening early next year as well. So lots to cover here and off the podium. We're keeping you busy. You love the Olympics. You love athletes. You love learning a lot. Then stay tuned because that's what we're going to bring you. Of course, search for Off the Podium wherever you get your podcast from be it Spotify, be it Stitcher, be it Apple, we are on them. And YouTube, as I mentioned, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, find us, subscribe, keep up to date, send us a message, let us know who you want on the program. Is there an athlete you want us to track down? Is there a sport you want us to talk about? Is there an Olympic Games you want us to talk about? Is there a qualifying tournament you want us to talk about? We want to hear from you. And we also appreciate any feedback you want to give us on the show as well. We do read all your messages and we appreciate all of them. So please let us know what you are thinking of the show. Big thanks to Ali for her time on this program once again and to you, the listener, for tuning in. Shout out as always to the Birmingham Bull. Put a sock in it, Mountain Jason Momoa. You took the words right out of my mouth. All the fun stuff. My name is Ben Waterworth. This has been Off the Podium. And remember to go left. Uh.